I love holidays because the whole church shifts sides. <laughs> you guys, I hope you'll know today, um, we come with humility and we come respectfully, but hopefully you already can realize we are not professionals. <laughs> we are here to praise the Lord. And everybody that's visiting today, we're so glad you're here. Please just make yourself at home and don't worry about what, if, if things are perfect or in place or whatever for you as well. Uh, just, we're so glad you're here. So enjoy your time together in the Lord and we wanna celebrate this day together. Speaking of which, before I forget, there is a delicious meal afterwards for anyone like to stay. So we'll have lots of food and time to fellowship. So looking forward to that. At this time, what we normally do is we're going to take our prayer requests and our praise items. And sometimes it takes us a while, but it's a time for us to share with each other what the Lord is doing and where our hearts are and maybe where we can encourage each other in prayer. So I wonder if anyone this morning has any praise items or any prayer requests on the screen as well. Isaiah 53. <clears throat> if I had to pick a favorite Old Testament passage, this would probably be it for me. I just love this chapter of the Bible. We're going to briefly go just through a part of it today, but I hope the Lord will encourage you and challenge you about his power, his strength, and his truth. So we're going to actually start in verse 2. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2. The word of God says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us. What if I could tell you right now what's going to happen to you on Friday? Would that spook you up just a little bit? Kind of seem a little creepy? If I could come to you and say, Big Mike, here's what's going to be this Friday. Here's what's going to happen to you. You'd be like, that preacher, I always thought he was strange, but now I think he's really strange, right? Or Sonny, what if I could tell you next week, here's what your week's going to be. So you're like, uh, preacher, just back off, right? What we see today is something I think most people never really realize how powerful it is. We're going to look at the writing of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 53. He wrote this 700 years before Jesus came. Why do you believe the Bible today? A lot of people don't believe the Bible today. Why do you believe the Bible today? I mean, there's a lot of reasons. It brings hope and encouragement. When I encounter the scriptures, it changes the way I think and the way that I feel. But one of the big things about the scripture that I can never overcome and get past is the fulfilled prophecies in the word of God. There are over 300 fulfilled prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. 
And today I'm going to walk you through some of those things, hopefully briefly. And I want you to think and see, like, how in the world did he know that would happen? And I'm going to tell you the reason is, is this God. And because of that, this book that we have, this scripture that we put on the screen, the Gideons that put it in the hotels, this is so precious because it is true. And because it is not man-made, but it is God-breathed. So today, again, please, just let me get out of the way. And as we work through these things, you ask the Lord and you think about these things and see if the Lord would not encourage you and challenge you from this. So the the very simple passage, we're not even going to look at the passage, but the the outline is from 1 Corinthians, uh, verse 1 of chapter 15. And the Bible says there very simply, it says, Jesus died according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures, and he rose according to the scriptures. Now, this morning, I know some of you are going to get really worried because we're probably going to spend about 10 or 15 minutes on point one, and you're like, preacher, that food is smelling good. I don't want to be here for an hour and a half. (laughs) Point one is the longest one, but we're going to see that Jesus died according to the scriptures. Not just that he died, but he died for our sins. Do you understand this truth? If this is true, if Jesus died for our sins, all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your trespasses and iniquities, they can be forgiven. And you, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you can be reconciled to God. That's the Easter story. It doesn't matter your mess. We got any messy people in here today? I think the messiest one is probably behind the pulpit, but you guys don't know that, right? I need the Lord. We all do, amen? As we think of Holy Week, remember that last Sunday, what was everybody thinking as they laid down the palms, as Jesus comes on the donkey? Hosanna, 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 Hosanna in the highest, right? And Jesus says, the the disciples are kind of like, oh, what's going to happen here? They were crying out, they were singing, (laughs) Isn't it so awesome that these guys are with us today? Oh, man, they make me so happy every time I see them. They're such a huge blessing. I know God's going to do great things with them. They're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, and everybody's like, woo, this is our king. And they're thinking, just just it won't be long now. He's going to pronounce his coming. He's already done amazing things. He's done so many miracles. He's going to break us free from Rome, and we're going to be a nation again. That's what they're thinking. And they get to the end of the week, and what happens? If you were here with us on Good Friday, right, celebration, we talked about Paul preaching the cross crucified. And the wisdom of God is greater than the foolishness of men. And this great king that they thought he was going to be is now up on a tree. Right? The young people in my class this morning, we were looking at Jesus just pushing up on that nail so he could breathe because he's going to suffocate. That's the point of crucifixion, right? And this great king that was to come, It didn't come out the way that the people expected it to come. But what I want to tell you this morning is that Isaiah saw this 700 years before. Isaiah says in the scripture that we read, he was despised and rejected. Again, you heard it if you were in Passion Week at all. The crowd, what did they say right before Jesus was taken away? They said, crucify, crucify. He was rejected and he would not be king. Instead, he would be mocked as king. Again, this morning in our Sunday school class, I had a little picture. 
And you couldn't really even see the thorns. It just looked like there was a crown and a purple robe on Jesus. But you remember what was in that crown, right? It's just like nails. There's a crown of thorns. And they put that purple robe on him so they could make fun of him. Hail, king of the Jews. And they would hit him on top of his head. And they would drive that crown in his head. They would spit in his face. They would smack him and they would say, prophesy to us, who hit you? I don't know about you, but that makes me so angry. But the Almighty God was able to sit there and take that abuse because of his love for us. He was despised. He was rejected. I think this is really important. Gordon MacDonald says this, Jesus was one of us. He had to be human to be our Redeemer. He wasn't fancy, and he probably wouldn't have been voted the best-looking or the most popular or even most likely to succeed. More than that, he was despised and hated and eventually crucified. And I think we need to be constantly reminded that Jesus, by the standards of cultural success models, was a miserable failure. We think of, of Jesus being the ultimate, and he was. But in his day, the people saw him as a failure, as, as a thief, as someone to be destroyed, right? All right, walk with me through this. Again, the things that you're seeing this morning on the slides are right from the passage of Isaiah 53. Again, 700 years before they happened. Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. This morning, another picture we had was Jesus down on a knee. And he had his face, and David and Jacob were looking, and his face was like this. And I was like, what was that? And the boys were like, that's when Jesus was praying. That's when Jesus was crying. We don't think of Jesus crying very much, do we? And yet Jesus sweat, as it were, drops of blood. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. If anyone ever knew sorrow and grief, our Lord knew it on the cross, didn't he? And then notice what else it says, Isaiah says about him. We hid our faces from him. Even today, I don't know if any of you have been on social media. I'm not on social media very much. But I know a few people have put pictures out of Jesus, uh, what would have been an idea of what Jesus looked like on the cross or during his beating. How many of you, when you see that, you're like, I don't want to look at that. Right? I don't want to see what a flogging is. Again, a whip. A cat of nine tails is what they call it. Leather pieces and strips on the end of the whip. And in the leather strip was nails and glass and metal. And they would put the person that was going to be crucified to be flogged up against a pole. And they would take that whip and they would throw it over the front and onto the back of the person that was being flogged. And then they would rip the flesh up from the back. Again, the crown of thorns, and again, the punching, and the beating, and the spitting. Yeah, you wouldn't want to see Jesus either, right? We hid, as it were, our faces from him in all of the things that he faced. And no one would want to see anyone in that condition. Isaiah says, we esteemed him not. What did the disciples do when Judas came and betrayed Jesus with the kiss? This is so hard for me. He shows up in the garden. Judas tells the soldiers, hey, the one that I'm going to kiss, that's the guy you want to get. And so they go, and there is the disciples, and they're kind of like, I'm the same way. Like, I have my, in my head how the plan's going to work out. Amen? This is what's going to happen. So they, they go, and, and Judas comes, 
He brings the soldiers with him. He greets Jesus with a kiss. The soldiers say, that's the guy. And what does Peter do? It's on. I mean, I can feel some of the guys in our church, even as old as we are, if somebody's taken one of ours, let's go, right? Peter takes out his sword, and what does he do? He starts swinging. Now, he wasn't super accurate. <laughs> he hits Malchus. He cuts off his ear. His ear falls off, and what does the Lord do? In the middle of his arrest, the Lord is still doing the miraculous. He picks up the ear, he heals Malchus, and all of a sudden, Peter's like, what are we supposed to do? I thought we were supposed to fight. And Jesus is like, no, we have a different plan. And then what do the disciples do one by one? They abandon him. Would you leave Jesus? Okay, Peter. Lord, I'll never forsake you. <laughs> Satan has come to sift you as wheat, Peter, but I, I have prayed for you. You're going to deny me, but you'll be restored. Amen? Yeah. We esteemed him not. The disciples fled. They ran away from Jesus. But here is the most amazing truth and the reason that the Lord would walk through all these things. The grief he bore was ours. The sorrows he bore were ours. It was our sins that nailed the Savior to the tree. That was your arrogance, that was my lust, that was your greed, that was my apathy. These are the things that nailed Jesus to the tree. He bore our griefs in his body on the cross. 700 years before Isaiah lays that out. Now, can you hear me out this morning? I think there's kind of a couple ways people deal with sin. Maybe there's more, but a couple I want to bring out highlight this morning. Some people I know, they think that they're beyond hope. They're too broken. They're too messed up. Their life is too chaotic. There's no way if God really knew how they really thought and who they really were, there's no way God could forgive them or reconcile them or redeem them. And I can tell you today, that's baloney. <laughs> All right? The Lord loves you. And if he can take some of the people in this room, I know their story, and redeem them and heal them and draw them back and make them whole again, you've got nothing on us. Okay? So if that's your condition today, please hear the Lord. You're never too far away from God for God to, to draw you in. As a matter of fact, we saw last week he said, if you'll come near to me, what? I'll, I'll draw near to you. Amen. And a lot of people feel like they're beyond hope, and I'm telling you today, you're not. The Lord loves you. If you'll come to him, he'll rescue you, redeem you, and change you. But now there's another group of people, and I've been in this group before too. And really, this group of people kind of think that their sins really maybe aren't that, that bad, that awful at all. I've never killed anybody. I've wanted to. <laughs> I've never, you know, really stolen anything big. Maybe I haven't ever cheated on someone. So I'm, I'm a decent person. I've got a few faults, but, you know, and maybe even today's culture, we might even say that, well, that's not really even sin. Sin is just somebody else's opinion, sin is somebody else's idea. I don't really think there is such a thing as, this, as sin. And I, I would just challenge you today, again, looking at a, so many prophecies that are fulfilled, the same God speaks to us that sin, it always makes you pay. My old preacher friend James Porlines, I heard from him, and I think he heard from somebody else. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
or if I just cheat a little bit, or if I just cut a corner a little bit, maybe nobody will know. I think I'll, it'll take you farther than you want to go. It'll make you stay longer than you want to stay. Uh-oh, I started this habit. I started this addiction. It was good at first, but now I'm getting sucked in. I don't know how I'm going to make my way out. And then ultimately, sin will make you pay more than you want to pay. And again, I speak to you in love today, brothers and sisters. Please hear me today as a sinner. Sin, your sin, will find you out. But the awesome news today is Jesus paid for your sin. He bore your griefs. He bore your sorrows in his own body. God said that sin must be punished. Isaiah shared that God would punish sin and he would do it to the suffering servant. He would do it to his own son. But what did we think? We think God must really hate this man to allow something so terrible to happen to him. He must have done something really bad. And again, Isaiah says, we did seem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted, right? Jesus on the cross, what? that guy must have done something horrible. We thought it was about what he did. And Isaiah's already saying, no, 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 that's not the case at all. Matthew 26, 59. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But verse 60 says, they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. They tried. Even Pilate was smart enough to recognize there's nothing wrong with this guy. He hasn't done anything wrong. He wasn't smitten and afflicted of God. He bore those griefs for me and for you. And so we have this beautiful verse in Isaiah next that says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Anybody else been loved like that by anybody else? My wife is amazing. I don't think she's taken any beatings for me. (laughs) She loves me very much. But the Lord loves you so much that he spread out his arms and he died. And again, Isaiah says this is what was to happen so many years before. Jesus was our substitute. He took our place. The penalty for sin that we were supposed to experience, Jesus took that. Again, not my words, the words of Isaiah, the words of the prophet. He says, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. How do I get peace? Because I paid God enough money? Because I did enough good deeds? Because I'm kind enough? You heard Rick this morning, he did a great job sharing. So many people think that if I do more good than bad, I'm in, right? No, 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 your sin has to be paid for. In our society, we we really cry for justice, don't we? We want people that mistreat us and hurt us. We want that justice to occur. God is no different. Sin had to be paid for, and that peace was bought through the blood of Jesus. And so Isaiah says, with his stripes, we are healed. Anybody want to make that trade today? My sins for God's love? I'll make that trade 100 times out of 100. And Jesus makes that possible with his shed blood. Charles Spurgeon says, The heart of Christ became like a reservoir in the midst of the mountains. All the tributary streams of iniquity and every drop of the sins of his people ran down and gathered into one vast lake, deep as hell and shoreless as eternity. All these met, as it were, in Christ's heart, and he endured.
Jesus loves you. He loves me. So why do you wait? Even you, Christian, today, why do you wait every morning? Why do you wait to surrender? For someone that loves you so much, give your heart to him. Give your heart to the Lord. And so, again, Isaiah's doing the preaching, not me today. And he says, we have gone astray. We have turned to our own way. It's still hard to believe, but even after so much love has been poured out, so much sacrifice, we go our own way. We seek ourselves, but the cross calls us to surrender. Nicole Dorderman has a song. It's called, What If You're Wrong? And man, it just challenges me every time I hear it, right? There are so many people today that would say, well, Jesus was a good man. He was kind. He was nice. He helped people. He was a great teacher. He's a good example. But the Son of God? No, I, I don't think so. Someone for me to put my faith in or my trust in so my sins can be forgiven? Yeah, I'm not buying that. What I want to challenge you today is this. What if you're wrong? What if he really is love? <laughs> what if he really is who he said he is? What if Jesus is the very son of God? Again, I challenge you to seek him out and to find him. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so our, one of our favorite verses is John chapter 3, verse 16. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus died for all. He loves you. He wants to see you healed and restored. So again, if you're hanging in there with me today, here we go. We did point one. You survived. Jesus died according to the scriptures. And you guys, I didn't touch anything else. There's so many other scriptures that say Jesus died according to the scriptures. This is just Isaiah. He died as a prophet prophesied. Now, quickly, let's go to the next one. He was buried according to the scriptures. What I find interesting is that even the secular historians know that there was a man named Jesus who was buried. And he was buried in a tomb, a tomb cut out of a rock with a huge stone in the front of an entrance. Again, Jesus was truly dead. He was buried. Now let's go back to Isaiah, though, again. Chapter 53. Isaiah writes, and he said, He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. What? How did Jesus make his death with the wicked? Leah this morning was right on point, and she shared that there was somebody on the right hand and somebody on the left hand of Jesus, and they were what? Thieves, criminals, the wicked. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, Jesus made his death with the wicked, but also with the rich. Was Jesus put in a, in a pine coffin and... Stuck six feet under? No, one of the wealthiest men around, Joseph of Arimathea, he paid for the tomb for Jesus the Christ to be buried in. Hello? 700 years ahead of time, Isaiah says, oh, this suffering servant, he'll be make his grave with the wicked, but also with the rich. Again, Jesus is even buried according to 
the Scriptures. If his death was according to the Scriptures and his burial was according to the Scriptures, then guess what? His resurrection is according to the Scriptures. He was raised according to the Scriptures. So much to tell you, but I'm going to back it off a little bit this morning. But Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Jesus is walking with these two disciples down Emmaus Road. If, I think if I could go back to any point in history, there's so many exciting things it would be cool to see, right? I mean, even in our own country's history, it would be neat to be able to go and time travel. But I, if you had to have me pick one place, I think this is where I'm going. Jesus is risen from the dead. There's these two guys walking the road to Emmaus. And they're talking about stuff. And this third guy shows up. What's going on? Where have you been? Haven't you heard? <laughs> There's a story is that the, the guy that was crucified just a few days ago, he's alive. He's not there anymore. Where have you been, sir? And all of a sudden, the Lord opens their eyes, and he walks them through the whole of the Scripture, the whole of the Old Testament, and he points to all the prophecies about where he was. You talk about the best Sunday school lesson of your entire life, right? And so they're walking that road. Jesus is speaking. Verse 25, here's what he said. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets, Old Testament, the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He rose again according to the scriptures. You guys, that's why this book is so important to us. Is it's true. It's true. And it proves itself true over and over and over again. And, and again, you probably know where I'm going. I'm going back to Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Verse 11. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. 700 years before, he says that. Again, see the resurrection. He will see his offspring prolong his days. You don't see your offspring if you're dead. He's alive. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. God has done mighty things through his life. After his suffering, he will see the what? The light of life. After his suffering. He will see the light of life. He will justify many. He will be great and strong. Again, dead people aren't great and strong. Isaiah speaks the truth of the Lord. Not only would he suffer, but he would live again after his intense suffering. Okay, I think you're with me. Let's put this all together. Jesus died according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. And he rose again according to the scriptures. So then that all of a sudden has me to do some thinking. How about you, right? It is these scriptures that remind us 
that we also may have real life now and the hope of heaven to come. And the question this morning for all of us is, what will you do with these things? If God is calling you, he's challenging you to repent, to seek him, to know him, will you put off the decision? Have you ever put off a decision? I've got some things in my house right now I'm putting off because I just don't want to deal with it. <laughs> some of us do that spiritually, don't we, right? Some of you today, <laughs> I just, I can feel it. I know it. The Lord is pricking your heart. He's calling your mind. He's challenging your soul. And you're like, just not today, Lord. Maybe sometime. This is not it. I'm not ready. How long will you put off the decision? Maybe some will decide today we just want to go our own way. Some of us encounter the word of God. And we know it's true. And like, that's okay. It is true. Whatever. I still just want to do me. And again, I remind you that our sins will find us out. Or will you today simply surrender your heart and your life to the Christ who loves you so much, the one who bore your sins, the one who rose again to prove his power over death, and that all that he has said is true. Oh, if I could just take every one of you today and take this the right way, if I could grab hold of you and hug you and tell you how much God loves you. Oh, how God loves you. Oh, how he wants you to accept the gift of his son. And so our question very simply this morning is what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Right? He died according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. He rose again according to the scriptures. Will you repent and receive him and say, Lord, I want to follow you because I know that's the best possible life I can ever have, the most joy I could ever have? Or were you going to keep putting it off? I just challenge you today to humble your heart you guys, I was uh, six years old, and my dad, uh, he worked uh, early in the morning. He got off at 3 o'clock. And my dad, he this was kind of old school. For some of you uh, modern folks, you may not get this, but my dad came home. He wanted supper on the table, and his wife was supposed to provide that for him. Some of you laugh at that, right? But my mom, she, was, she loved him, and so whenever he came home, supper would be ready. And so um, us kids, when we get home like at 2.45 or 3 o'clock, we would come in and we would have supper first thing. Now, I've developed some really bad habits of that. It's called uh, evening snacking chips and cheese because to make up for my early supper every day. <laughs> but this one day when I was six, we were sitting around this old brown table, and all of a sudden conviction was just on my heart. As a young child, conviction was all over my heart, and my dad could read it. And he began to tell me the story of Jesus. That he was my human Christmas tree. <laughs> he began to tell me of Jesus' death and that he died according to the scriptures, but that he wasn't dead anymore, that he's alive. And he began to walk me through the scriptures, and he said, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I still remember it like I remember every day. He pulled a pen out of his Bible, and he gave me the pen. He said, what do you have to do to have the pen? I was like, I don't know. Just take it? He said, you just have to receive it. And even though everyone has fallen short of God's glory, the gift of salvation is offered to everyone. And very simply, as a little boy, uh, you may not think I had some sins, but let me tell you, I had some sins pretty young. <laughs> I repented of my sins, told the Lord I was sorry, and I said I wanted to follow him and know him, even with a young heart that didn't understand all the theology, but I knew Jesus, and I knew that's what I wanted. 
And you guys, my whole mindset has been changed ever since that day in August of 1977. I've been a different person. I got up from that couch. Some of you guys know the story. It's so silly. But we didn't have a lot of money yet. We were just building this house. And so I had this old girl's rusty bicycle. Isn't that that's just wrong, isn't it? That a boy should have to have a girl's rusty bicycle. But I got on this old banana seat bicycle, and I pedaled as fast as I could down to my friend's house. His name was Brandon Horn. I pulled in the driveway. I even crashed in his white rocks, got up, and went and told Brandon what God had done in my heart. And that next week, I went to my other neighbor. His name was Todd Hawkins. And I dragged Todd up this tree we would climb. We're sitting on this branch together. I can still see that, Todd and I sitting up there. And what did I do? I was telling Todd how he could know about Jesus. And I hope to tell you today that I've never gotten over what the Lord did for me. And the question for you today is, what will you do with him? And I'm just here very simply to declare today, he did die according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. He did rise again. Let's stand this morning. If you would, just to bow your head quietly today. And again, I want you to think about that question that I'm asking you. And I want you to challenge things. We don't have any problem with truth around here. Look at the word of God. Again, 700 years before it happened. Is this really Isaiah speaking of this suffering servant? Is he really speaking of Messiah? Did it really turn out to be Jesus? And the resounding answer is yes and yes and yes. And so today, what we want you to do is just to ponder that same question. And Christian, I want to challenge you again this morning to be rekindled in how much Jesus loves you and to give your heart again to him afresh every day to surrender yourself. Say, Lord, use me today. In this moment of quiet, what we'd like for you to do, anybody that would like to, we encourage you to grab a friend and to come down. If you'd like to come to these steps here, we call the altar. And just to pray and start that journey with God today and say, God, forgive me. God, I give my heart to you. Show me what's next. And people will be glad to come and encourage you and pray with you. We should invite you to come today. If you are uncomfortable and you want to stay there in your seat, you're sure welcome to pray there as well. But we're going to take just a moment of quiet, if you would, for you to ponder this question. What will I do with Jesus? And then after that, in just a minute, uh, Ray and Diane are going to lead us in singing just a little bit. Let's just take a moment of quiet to pray together today.